With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no empty miles future at convoy.com sustainability. There is over a trillion dollars of waste in supply chains today. The net zero carbon emission is something that corporates are taking very seriously. To meet these objectives, they're gonna have to take into consideration CO2 emissions. Welcome to Net Zero Carbon, a show of freight waves where we focus on sustainability efforts around transportation. I'm Danny Gomez, the Managing Director of Financial Emerging Markets here at Freightways. And I'm super excited. We've got a special episode this week. We have um, a friend of ours, someone who um, helps us at Freightways on um, our product initiatives, but also has a role in um, co-founding and running an educational farm in Maui. Jake Oga um, is here with us today. Jake, thanks for coming. Thanks, Danny. Glad to be here. Um, so it's always helpful for everyone to have some context. Um, you know, it's interesting as we go through and, and do more of these shows, it's, we find this common thread that there's a real kind of early connection to, in people's lives to sustainability and what draws them to it. Very seldom do we find people just kind of coming at it from a capitalist perspective. So, um, for the benefit of the audience, you might give us your, your background and maybe give us a little bit more about, um, the farm itself. Yeah, totally. So uh, I spent uh, the early part of my uh, career and uh, training in education in finance and accounting, doing various different things um, in that space. And uh, I kind of woke up one day and found myself to want something a little bit more fulfilling in life. And so I went on a journey over about five years um, doing all sorts of cool things, um, as it relates to agriculture and farming, I kind of just got a bug uh, after I took a permaculture course. Um, it was just uh, such such juicy uh, information that I had never really been exposed to with my uh, teachings and backgrounds. And so um, I was really inspired by uh, sort of the design thinking that uh, permaculture's foundation lies upon. So um me and my wife decided to travel the world in 2020, and we started in um, uh, Hawaii uh, at a sustainable um, kind of project at that time. Uh, and we fell in love, uh, fell in love with the place and, and the people, and um, that kind of really sparked our our, our mission here at uh, Lakahea. So from there. Yeah, so from so from there, um, we had a, a a difficult time really getting a, a foundation uh, set, and so we had to do lots of uh, different um, different things, leaning on our entrepreneurial sides, really just to make make the farm a sustainable financial venture, which we're uh, right on the precipice of. So we're very excited there. So we've talked before, you know. There's the farming side of it, but also the education side. Um, maybe just to give some context for what the farm is like, and um, you know, if people envision a farm in Maui. I'm sure they're starting to, you know, paint pictures in their own mind of um, sandy beaches and um, you know, lounge chairs. Well, yeah. So let's uh, let's just put on your uh, envision hat real quick. And so we're on the isthmus of of Maui, and uh, that 
has a approximate 20 to 50 mile an hour trade wind. So it's very, very warm uh, and very windy. Uh, so it's, it's difficult to grow uh, most crops there. We, we focus mainly on uh, root crops because of that. Uh, they, they grow better in those sorts of environments. But overall, our mission is really to connect the community uh, and the people that come to Maui, um, really to, to connect them with, with the land and to um, highlight the importance of uh, regenerative agriculture uh, and how us as uh, society members can support that. You don't have to necessarily go start your own farm, but there's there's plenty of ways to, to support the regenerative to mission. Um, and we're super excited uh, to be able to, to share that uh, with, especially with people that come to the island with over 250,000 uh, tourists per month that come to Maui. So uh, our focus is educating them uh, as well as some of the local community uh, on, you know, techniques and practices, things like that. Yes. I mean, you've already taken it beyond the island because you've, you know, helped educate me. And I think, um, you know, the special thing about this podcast, at least the way I, um, I hope it lands with people is we're not claiming to have all the answers. We're, we're curious people, um, curious minds, and um, we're passionate about sustainability. We understand the importance that transportation plays in um, emitting and what um, CO2, CO2 emissions and um, how important a role it plays in reducing emissions. Um, and as we walk through this journey, it's just like a constant like surprise and learning and researching and um, kind of taking steps back and correcting the ways that we think and then moving forward again. Um, and so I was really, I was, I was really happy. We were talking um, and kind of, you know, we've been working together here um, on the product side of things um, and really operating in two parallel lives and through conversation and community, like linking those two parallel lives in a way that is meaningful um, and also has started a new thought process for me in terms of, thinking stepping back and not focusing so much on tailpipe emissions, which is where kind of the, the whole journey started for me and understanding the bigger picture. Um, and you had recommended uh, a documentary to me um, on Netflix, Kiss the Ground, um, which does a good, really good job of just explaining, you know, this um, symbiotic relationship between people and the earth and how agriculture and plants um play a role and it, you know, it starts to connect the dots on why, you know, forestry credits are so important for us, why investments in, um, in reforestation are such an important thing for us. Just pausing for a second, you know, um, for the benefit for the, of the people who haven't yet watched that or don't, um, understand that symbiotic relationship. Do you mind just describing like people, oxygen, CO2, plants, carbon, all that? Totally. So f first of all, Kiss the Ground is a phenomenal uh, book that was made into a documentary that Woody Harrelson narrates. And I would recommend that to everybody as a really strong intro to um, all the different solutions that are out there for, for climate change and for regenerative agriculture solutions. And, and so it's a great it's a great uh, starting point. And it has a, a phenomenal um chronological history so that you can really understand why we are uh, in in the place that we are with agriculture currently. So um, I think that some of the biggest takeaways there really is the connection between um, the soil health uh, 
and the, and the soil contents and, you know, the amount of uh, CO2 that's in the air. And so just super high level plants, they like to sunbathe. As they're sunbathing, they um, are taking in CO2 um, to, um, and sunlight energy and converting that um, into sugars and carbs, and which uh, essentially they push down into their root system. So they take CO2 out of the air, convert it in, into energy that feeds the, the soil microbes, which are actually sort of the missing link, if you will, um, between uh, nutrient-dense food and, and soil. And so um, they take those uh, really carbon out of the air and put it right back into the earth as food for microbes. So it's, it's a pretty wonderful, uh, symbiotic, magical uh, sort of uh, mechanism that, that Mother Earth um, created over time. And, and uh, now we can sort of leverage that to reduce CO2 emissions, uh, which, is, which is a really exciting thing, all while growing nutrient-dense food. So kind of hits it on both sides. Yeah, and I think it's important for, for our industry at large, right, to, um, to step back and think about the larger picture. And I think people do things in a transactional way or they follow um, suit and, you know, doing, what things, doing the things that other people do. So um, it's just helpful, I think, to have the context for why these things are important. So when you go by a carbon offset um, that is investing in some regenerative agriculture or some reforestation projects, you understand how that fits into the larger picture. Um, but also, I think um, I'll, I'll, I'll caveat by saying, like, understand the context for your contribution to the to um, CO two also, and trying to to do what you do to reduce for um, transportation comes to do what they need to do to reduce that as well. Um, you know, as I started to peel back the layers a little bit um, on or having the context, I should say for. Um, for how agriculture fits into it. There was also this education process on how agriculture has contributed to part of the problem. Um, can you, can we pause there for a second and just talk about kind of just like you said, kind of the timeline, how we got to where we're at and what, what things like your, yourself and other groups are trying to do to educate on um, a more sustainable way for agriculture. Sure. So we'll, we'll take our, I'll put our time machine hats on for a second and we'll um, go back in time to approximately about 10,000 years ago when we first uh, stopped hunter and gathering and uh, had the first sort of farms, if you will. And from that that time all the way to about 150 years ago and more like about 75 years ago, we farmed a very uh, similar way. Um, using using uh, really a methodology it wasn't it didn't really have a name uh, now we call it regenerative but it was really giving more back to the land than you took and that was uh, all the different indigenous uh, communities had different techniques and and methods that they did that but um, if you fast forward a bit to um, the mechanizing of, of farm and farm labor uh, in the early 1900s, that sped up that process. Started it started to take away that connection between the farmer and the land. Um, it did make things more efficient, that's for sure. Um, and then we fast forward a little bit to the end of World War II. Um, a lot of the major nations had stockpiled chemicals uh, for chemical warfare, and they had a lot of smart scientists um, try to figure out what to do with them. And they found out that if they put them on different types of things, it either killed them or it seemingly made them grow um, 
larger, faster, stronger that is what they thought. And so um, that's really where the chemical farming started. Um, mid fifties, uh, a lot of these, um, stockpiled chemicals got packaged up and, and sold to, to farmers under, um, the pretense that they would help with yields and decrease labor. And so continue to fast forward, uh, to, to modern day. And we're, we're really seeing the destructive nature of, of what those decisions from the 19, the early 1900s and the fifties have done to, um, degrade our, our soil, um, at rates that we've, uh, have never really been seen or, um, you know, ever. And so, um, some of those some of those practices really have a, a, a an effect, a, a pretty drastic effect on not only uh, the soil health, but the the runoff and the stream and the water and the ocean health, um, and then the increased levels of CO two. And so, um, I think agriculture you can you might be able to correct me if I'm wrong here, but it makes up a significant portion of um, greenhouse gases. I think it it's like double what vehicles. Um, put out. Uh, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong there, but I think you told me that actually. With 35% of trucks on the road driving empty, 87 million metric tons of carbon emissions are produced annually. Leveraging machine learning and automation, Convoy is efficiently connecting shippers with carriers while reducing carbon emissions. Learn how Convoy's technology can help your business run efficiently and build toward a no empty miles future at convoy.com slash sustainability. So, you know, and I think in watching the, the documentary for me, um, really seeing, you know, the, the difference between soil and dirt. Um, and that just was just a really clear, stark image for me to remember of how we are, how we're, we're degrading the land. Um, we're degrading, um, I worry a little bit, to be honest, that like some of this feels a little organic and hard, you know, crunchy and, you know, um, hard for people to, to really buy into um, on the surface. But I think if you if you start to really take the time to understand um, what regenerative agriculture is and why it's important um, from the carbon um, sequestration perspective, um from just the balancing of, you know, our existence here, um, but also to the nutrient side of thing, it starts to, I think, connect the dots a little bit and makes it a little harder for people to push back. Um, and so I think, you know, there's, there's always common, um, you know, when I talk to with my parents or my uh, in-laws, you know, like, well, we did this this way, you know, back when we were growing up, why are people so worried about this stuff? Um, it is true that things have changed quick, um, in their lifetime and what they grew up being exposed to from a food source perspective, uh, is very different than obviously we are today. And that the trend in that approach to agriculture, um, is really, is really important to pay attention to, but it sounds like there is this growing swell as there is in transportation around being more sustainable, a growing swell in farming about being more sustainable as well. Um, can you talk a little about like what, what are you seeing in terms like a, from a trend perspective on the adoption, the cultural shift within that community 
to start to lead the charge and being more sustainable. Totally. I think even just to take a, a step back and give a couple highlights of what regenerative agriculture actually is compared to conventional. And I think that'll kind of lead into some of the transitions. Um, but there's there's really five major principles um, that uh, regenerative agriculture is uh, founded upon. And really, like I, like I mentioned earlier, it's it's leaning on indigenous um, technology and, and methodologies, if you will. And so it's the uh, first kind of major one is not disturbing the soil. And so when you till, it really um, has a destructive uh, impact to the microbial life structure. Um, and so it messes up their structure. It'd be like if somebody came and bulldozed your house, it'd be pretty uncomfortable for you and your family. Um, and spraying things on them herbicides, pesticides, fungicides, there's a bunch of sides. Um, all of those, like I said, were birthed out of those chemical sort of stockpiles and have, you know, do have an effect on, on plants, but they, uh, they don't just kill the plants. They kill the microbial life, which we've, we spoke about earlier, which is kind of that missing link that we didn't really understand, um, was so important until the last 20, 25 years. Um, keeping the soil covered, not just tilling it up and leaving it exposed. That, that's a really important one that, um, especially in the Midwest where there's a lot of the cornfields, they keep, a keep most of that soil uncovered during most of the winter. Um, making sure that you always have something growing in the ground, uh, even if it's a crop that isn't, you know, uh, it's called a cover crop, even if it's something that isn't uh, to, to go to market, it, it actually is adding nutrients into the, into the system. And then, and then integrating animals when you can. So those are the, those are the five um, kind of known principles. And then to kind of follow up on your, on your second question, really, I think the adoption or the groundswell of people being interested and um, wanting their their food and and even clothes and different different things to come from regenerative practices is is definitely gaining traction. Um, but I would say on for for the majority, uh, people are still a little bit. Um, uh, skeptical maybe, or a little but in my mind, I think they just don't fully understand the link between our health and the soil health at the end of the day. And so, um, once people start to really understand that, uh, I think the demand for regenerative and sustainable business in general will continue to, to increase and become, you know, enough to make, make probably big enough change in our society here in the States, at least. We, we kind of think about this in transportation terms, right? Like there's um, carriers that are trying to do their best to get, uh, to be more sustainable. Um, there's obviously a lot of friction to doing that, right? There are, even for the ones who want to do as, you know, as much as they can, right? There's not enough infrastructure for electric vehicles. There's not enough hydrogen fuel sources. Those even the hydrogen fuel sources, some of them aren't as um, clean as as they could be. You know, burning gas to create hydrogen versus using um, solar panels or renewable energy. Right? Like, there's there's just a lot of nuances. A lot. Like, it just feels so early innings that there's cultural friction. There's um, operational friction. There's just general friction to doing it. Then, but they, on the flip side, you have this really strong signal from the consumers. Um, that is being, you know, prioritized. There's strong um, signals coming from capital markets. And these are all feeding down to corporates who are then 
pushing it down upon um, the industry, but it does very much feel like within the industry, a top-down pressure versus like a groundswell grassroots effort. Because um, I think at the end of the day, the, the companies that are operating are trying to find best ways to, to continue to provide service um, at rates that they can still can maintain, stay profitable, also while doing their best to try to, um, to explore alternative. But it does feel like er- early innings. I assume like carrying that over into farming, that there must be a lot of um, similarities there in terms of cultural friction for someone to think about like re like changing how they approach farming fundamentally sounds scary, right? Yeah, it's a huge, it's a, it's a huge undertaking. You know, if you put yourself in multi-generational farmers shoes to come in and tell them to completely shift the way that they've done their operations, isn't the easiest thing to do. Um, with that said, they're the they're the ones on the ground seeing the drastic um, results of what's happened to their soil by farming like this, and so that part is getting uh, a bit um, I would even say easier, but is getting um, is happening more often where there's where there's these larger scale multi generational uh, farms that are. Um, that are transitioning to regenerative, but exactly like you said, there's, there's so many different layers to shifting a cultural, culturally entrenched behavior. Um, and my belief is that we have to continue to educate the populace in our society so that they, um, are, are the sort of lightning rods to making that change. Um, because there's so many of us, if we, you know, really made that a priority, it would be uh, much easier to shift the whole, the whole system. And so that's our, that's, that's why we do the work we do, Danny, out here. What I hope people walk away with this conversation is starting to plug the things, and and a lot of people hopefully are already doing it, but for those who are um, like me, you know, on the journey of understanding um, how I, like my presence here and thinking about and being intentful about how I move myself and my family through um, through life and the and the things that we do. That our decisions are are don't feel significant um, individually, but are super significant as a whole. Um, and trying to understand how that how that feeds in. But if we if we don't take the time to under, to understand and, and and have perspective on where we fit into the system, then um, I think it it unfortunately would create a world where we we see less change or change happening slower. And so. This conversation is important because what I want people to understand is transportation um, is a very important part. We need to do a lot to help reduce emissions. Understanding, again, the the symbiotic relationship that um, that we need to establish globally in order for us to 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 respect the earth and to you know, as someone said um, before, we are renting this earth. Right, our time on here is temporary and we're renting the earth. And at the end of the day, we're handing that over to our kids or to generations behind us or other family members or just people in society in general. And so what do we do for our, while we're on here um, and, you know, prepare to hand that off um, hopefully in a, in a better state than we found it. And so understanding this is really important because for me, it really connected um, efforts and transportation with things that end up happening um, with my kids and their health and myself and my health, understanding 
um, the investments that we make in transportation makes helps to bring that balance in line more. Um, the awareness that we have around agriculture um, and the relationship that we have in general with each other is super important. And so, you know, Jake, we appreciate your efforts here and all the things you do for freight waves, also all the things that you do at the farm and education. Um, and we hope that, you know, more folks can come to this message about regenerative agriculture and understand what it means in the context of all the efforts that we do. For those folks who are interested in learning more about the farm, how do they either in person come visit you or learn about you and support you um, virtually? Sure, totally. So, well, thanks for those kind words. It's really sweet. Um, we, we put a lot of hard work in and it's not easy to swim upstream in a, in a space where you um, know that you're doing the things right, um, but everyone else hasn't quite caught on to it. And so um, being an early adopter of things or an innovator of things isn't always easy, but it's the right thing to do. And so that's that's what we do. Um, to learn more about us, first, first and foremost, come on out to Maui. Um, and uh, as you can sign up for one of our uh farm tours and taro tastings. We grow a Hawaiian uh, root vegetable called taro. Um, it's very culturally significant to uh, the Polynesian islands in, in Hawaii and um, to food security on, on the island. So we, we focus on that crop, but we have a good time with it and uh, make all sorts of fun, fun um, value added products from it. So you can, you can find us um, on all the, all the socials at La Kahea. Uh, that's L-A uh, space K-A-H-E-A Community Farm. Um, also, our website is lakeafarm.com. And uh, we would love for you to reach out, say hi, uh, come come visit us, check us out, ask any any questions. We love to really engage with the community um, in Hawaii as well as our our regenerative movement community and, and, and really anybody that uh, is, is interested. And so uh, excited to... Get, get the word out even more through this channel. Awesome. Jake, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Danny. Appreciate you.